Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles this morning, and I want you to take your notebooks, your pen and your pencil. I want you to take some notes today. If you don't take notes, what's wrong with you? You need to be taking notes You may not need this message today, but I promise you there will come a time in your life when you will need this message and you you need some notes that you can refer back to. But I want to talk to you today about one of the greatest gifts. Here we are at Christmas time and last Sunday we we kicked off this season called Advent. Uh, And for some of you that don't know what Advent is or what it means, the word just simply means the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. Uh, with the key word there being the word arrival. And so Advent on the Christian calendar is when we celebrate the arrival of our Savior, when we celebrate the arrival of Christ the King, when we celebrate the arrival of our Messiah. And when Jesus came, Jesus came bringing gifts, some gifts that he knew each and every one of us needed. Today I want to talk to you about the gift of peace. The gift of peace. Next Sunday we're going to have a guest speaker with us and uh, if you've never sat under the ministry or heard Bishop Stan Holder speak, you've missed out. He's going to be speaking for us in both of our services next week. He and his wife Teresa are going to be with us and I'm excited about them coming and being with us next Sunday. And then the Sunday following that, I'm gonna talk to you about another gift that Jesus knew that we all needed and that is available through a relationship with him. We're gonna talk about joy. Can I encourage you to do something this morning? Okay, well, I'm gonna do it anyway. (laughs) Can I encourage you to join me and let's finish strong in 2020? Did you just hear what I said? Can we finish strong in 2020? Let's not, let's not allow what's been going on in 2020 rob us of our peace and rob us of our joy. Let's finish 2020 strong. Let's, let's finish 2020 overflowing with peace and overflowing with joy and look the devil square in the eye and just say, see there, I told you. You can't get the best of me. Don't let the devil get the best of you. Don't let Corona get the best best of you. Don't, Don't let anything that's going on in this world right now get the best of you. Come on, folks. Let's finish strong with peace, with joy, and with hope. And today I want to talk to you about peace because on the night that Jesus was born, the angels declared glory to God in the highest in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests upon whom does his favor rest his favor rests upon his kids upon his sons and upon his daughters jesus wants you to experience peace jesus wants you to live in peace jesus wants you to know that peace is Perhaps the most profound gift that he could give you, especially in times like what we are living in right now. Now, we know that when Jesus came the first time, that he stayed here on this earth for just a little over 33 years. 
And then he ascended back and sat down at the right hand of God the Father where he is making intercession, where he's praying for all of us today. How many of you know Jesus is alive? Amen. Jesus is alive. But before he left this earth, in the final words that he spoke to his disciples, he said this. He said, peace I leave with you. In other words, he was saying to his disciples, listen, I'm leaving, but peace is staying. And just because I'm not here with you personally doesn't mean that you cannot continue to experience my peace. And so he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And then he clarifies, not as the world gives do I give you. How many of you know there's a difference between the peace of Christ and the peace of the world? You know, the world's peace is based on circumstances, isn't it? That if my circumstances are good, if everything's going well, if there's calm in my circumstances, then I can have peace. But the moment that my circumstances turn to a storm, I lose my peace. But how many of you know that the peace of the Lord is, is an eternal peace? It, it, it is a trans-circumstantial peace that, that no matter what our circumstances, no matter what's going on externally, internally, we still have the peace of the Lord. And he told his disciples, he said, I'm going to leave my peace with you, not as the world gives. And he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Listen, there's a lot of believers, a lot of followers of Christ right now in fear. There's, there's a lot of followers of Christ right now whose hearts are troubled because of what's going on in our world right now. And, and listen, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live in that fear. You, you don't have to live with your heart being troubled because Jesus said, I'm giving you my peace. And, and then he goes on in verse 28 and he says, you have heard me say to you that I'm going away, but hang on, I'm coming back. I am going to come again. And basically what Jesus was saying to his disciples is this, and that is that between the time that I'm gone and the time that I return, you can live in peace. You don't have to be troubled in your heart. You don't have to be fearful in your heart. You can live in this season between the time that I've left and the time that I return because there is a second coming. There is a second advent that you and I need to be expecting and you and I need to be anticipating. And Jesus is saying that until then, you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live with your hearts troubled. You can live with peace. And then he tells us why we're gonna need that peace because he tells us a little bit about what those end times, that time just before he returns is going to look like. He said there's going to be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. And he said, on the earth, there's going to be distress of nations. And of course, we're seeing that play out before our eyes at this very moment. Distress among nations. And he said, there's also going to be perplexity. That there's going to be such distress among nations that it's going to leave people perplexed. It's going to leave them confused without any understanding. It's going to leave them with some questions they don't have answers to. He said that the sea and the waves will be roaring. And he's using that as symbolic of nations rising against nations. Nations coming against nations. And again, these are things that are playing out before our very eyes. I guess what I'm trying to say, church, is Jesus is coming soon. 
His second advent is nearer than you and I think. His second coming is nearer than you and I think. And then he goes on and says that just prior to this season, if we're not careful, men's hearts will fail them for fear. When you begin to see all of these things take place that are signs that Jesus is about to come back, if you're not careful, it can cause fear in your heart. He said men's hearts would fail them because of fear and because of the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. You know, fear is not just about what's presently happening. Fear and anxiety and worry also come because of what we expect to happen. And he said, he said that men's hearts would fail them from fear. Can, can I tell you right here at the beginning of this message today, and if you don't get anything else, maybe this was worth you coming today, what the difference is between faith and fear. Faith is when you're expecting God to show up. Fear is when you're expecting the devil to show up. It's that simple. Faith is when you're expecting Jesus to show up, but fear it's when you're expecting the enemy, the adversary to show up. And he said that if we're not careful in these last days, when we see pandemics, when we experience the kinds of things that we've been seeing taking place in 2020, that if we're not careful, we can be overcome by fear because, not just because of, of what's happening, but because of what possibly could happen as we're going into 2021. He said, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. But notice what he said. He said, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. All of these things should not cause us to fear, but what it should cause us to do is to get excited, is, is, to, is to begin to expect and anticipate that Jesus is about to return. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this morning, this is not a time for us believers to walk around with our head down. This is not a time for us to walk around in distress and depression and, and discouragement. But Jesus said, when you see all of this happening, instead of having fear, he said, why don't you just look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Oh, I want to encourage somebody today, stop looking down. Stop, stop looking down in distress and look up because Jesus, our hope, our help, our peace, our joy, Jesus is coming soon. Oh, come on, somebody give the Lord another good praise right there. But until then, we don't have to wait till Jesus comes back to live in peace. We can live every day of our lives in peace. Why? Because we don't live in the world. We live in the kingdom of God. And the Bible says this in Romans 14 and 17. Paul says that the kingdom of God is not about just eating and drinking, being, being focused on the external things like those Pharisees would do. You know, that they judged your righteousness based on what you did externally, your, your works. But he said, that's not, that's not how you measure righteousness in the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It's not about the external things. It's about the eternal things. And it's about the internal things. And he said that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So there may be all kinds of turmoil in the world, 
But in the kingdom of God, we have peace. There may be all kinds of worry and stress and anxiety going on in the world, but in the kingdom of God, we have peace. I'm thankful for the peace of the Lord this morning. Paul goes on to say this in Romans 15. He said, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. You can always identify somebody who trusts God because they live in peace. When you trust God, you live in peace. So here's where I want to start this morning. I want to begin by talking to you about the importance of peace. Nobody's in a hurry today, are you? I will do my best to get you out before noon, but I won't make any promises. But I want to talk to you, first of all, about the importance of peace. The importance of peace. Why is peace important? In our lives. Well, I think first of all, it is important because peace is how God guides us. Now, there's a lot of believers who don't know this. And listen, if you have peace today, the devil wants to get your peace. And if you don't have peace, the devil wants to keep you from peace. Because the enemy knows that peace is kind of like an internal navigation system that the Holy Spirit has placed in our heart and in our lives to help guide us. Listen to what Paul said here in Colossians 3.15. He said, let the peace that comes from Christ do what? Rule in your hearts. Because in the kingdom of God, the Prince of Peace is the one who rules and reigns in the kingdom of God. And so if you're a part of the kingdom of God, And being a part of the kingdom of God is simply as simple as being a follower of Jesus Christ. Submitting your life to the king of the kingdom. And he says this, he said that this peace that comes from Christ, let it rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to do what? You're called to live in peace. Not in turmoil. Not in stress. Not in anxiety. But you have been called to live in peace. And then he says, always be thankful. But the important statement here is he says, let the peace of God or the peace that comes from Christ, let it rule in your heart. Now, why why is that important? I'll tell you why it's important. Because most decisions, the majority of decisions or choices that you and I have to make are not choices between what is right and what is wrong. I mean, that should be a pretty easy choice for us followers of Christ. If the Bible says it's right, we do it. If the Bible says it's wrong, we don't do it. But the majority of our decisions that we make are not necessarily decisions between right and wrong. They're decisions between right and right. Decisions that the Bible doesn't have a whole lot to say about. Decisions and choices like, where am I going to go to church? Who am I going to marry? What house should we buy? What car should we buy? What am I going to major in when I go to college? You see, those are decisions not between what's right and what's wrong, but between what's right and what's right. And you need something to guide you, to help you know if you're making the right decision or not. And I'm going to tell you how you can make a right decision. Does the peace of God rule in your heart about that decision? Does the peace of God rule in your heart about that choice? 
I've had to make a lot of these kind of choices and decisions in my own life. And I have learned how to be guided by peace. Because anytime I've ever made a decision or made a choice that I didn't have peace about, it ended up coming back and biting me. It ended up being a bad decision. It ended up being a bad choice. But I'm going to tell you, every decision that I've made since I've learned this principle, every decision that I've made guided by the peace of God, where the peace of God ruled in my heart, I made the right decision. I have never made a wrong decision as long as the peace of God was ruling in my heart. And listen, this is important if you're married as well. I think this is why Paul said it's important that believers not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Because when it comes to these kind of decisions in your life, you don't need just peace in the one person's heart. You need to make sure both of you have peace about something. And Jamie and I, when we've made important decisions, it's not just me that needed to have the peace of God ruling in my heart. I needed to make sure that she had that same peace in her heart. And if both of us, our hearts are being ruled by the peace of God, then here's what we know God is saying. God is saying, yes. And if we don't have the peace of God, God is saying, no, or not yet. You see, it's important that we understand that we are guided by the peace of God. It's like an internal navigation system. You say, well, I thought we were supposed to be led and guided by the Holy Spirit. Well, who do you think produces peace in your life? It's a fruit that is produced by the Holy Spirit. And I have been in situations, and I need somebody to hear me on this today. I've been in situations before where I've been having to make a decision or a choice. And according to reason, everything externally looked right. Everything externally and according to reason looked like everything was lined up the way it needed to be lined up for that decision to be made. But how many of you know sometimes, according to reason, everything can look right but feel wrong? I need to say that again. There are some situations and choices and decisions you make where everything is saying, your circumstances are saying to you, it's good, it's right, move forward. But there's something on the inside of you saying, no, this is not the right decision. You and I need to learn how to be led by the peace of God. When Jamie and I left after 19 years of pastoring Life Church International, Atlanta, Georgia, I'm going to tell you, the only reason we left is because the peace of God ruled in our hearts about this decision. And we knew it was God saying, yes, I'm in this. I'm the one guiding your steps. And listen, I'm going to say it again. As long as I've made decisions where the peace of God ruled in my heart. I've never made one bad decision and neither will you if you make sure that when you pray, the saints of God used to say it like this, you got to pray through. And what do they mean? You pray through until you have peace. You pray through until the peace of God rules and reigns in your heart. And then once you have that peace, then you move forward. Peace is how God guides us. But not only that, peace is also how God protects our minds and our hearts against Satan's attacks of fear and anxiety. Like I said before, if you have peace, the devil wants to take it away from you. And if you don't have it, he wants to keep you from it. And what he uses is fear and anxiety and worry to steal your peace. That's why Paul said it like this in Philippians 4 and 6, and you've heard me share this scripture many times. Be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't worry about anything. 
Now, some people say, well, is that possible? It has to be, or the Bible would never tell us to not do it. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. And we're going to talk about prayer in a moment. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then notice what he says. And the peace of God. The peace of God. When you take your worries, when you take your burdens, when you take your anxieties, when you take those things that you are fearful of and speak terror to your heart, when you turn those things into requests, when you turn them into prayers and you trust God to do something about it, notice, he said, that's when the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Do you know what that means right there? Which surpasses all understanding. It means in that situation, you shouldn't have peace. It means in that situation or in that circumstance that you shouldn't have peace, that that there should be confusion, that there should be turmoil. And, and, And that's why it surpasses understanding. It's because even when it seems like the world is caving in around us, we still have peace. How does that happen? It only happens because we trust God and we take our needs to him in prayer. And then here's what he says he does. He said, I'm gonna put a hedge of my peace around you that the enemy cannot penetrate because he said that this peace is going to guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. That word guard means to prevent a hostile takeover. And oh, how the enemy would like to take a hostile takeover of your mind. Like Paul, like, like, like Brian was talking about this morning. He wants to, to make a hostile takeover of your mind with all kind of fear and worry and doubt and anxiety in your life. But God says no. He says when you trust me, I'm going to put a hedge of peace around your life that the devil cannot penetrate. Somebody ought to thank God for peace this morning. Amen. Here's a third thing about the importance of peace, and that is that peace is the platform of our ministry or or, or the platform of our witness. Has anybody here ever heard me say, be light? Good. Because I've said it enough that if you haven't heard it, you just wasn't listening. I think I've said it almost every Sunday that I've been here. And one of the ways that you and I can be light, that we can be a witness to this world, is by walking in peace. Ephesians chapter 6, where the Apostle Paul is talking about putting on the armor of God. He gets down to putting on the shoes And listen to what he says about the shoes. He said, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Now, the message that God has given us is a message of peace. That man can have peace with God because of what Jesus did at the cross. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. And Paul said, every day, you and I, when we get up, we need to put on the shoes of peace. But it's not just what we say, it's also how we live. Because let me tell you something about peace in this world. Peace is attractive. Everybody's looking for some peace. 
They're just looking. So many are just looking in the wrong places. That's why they go through one relationship after the other, after the other, after the other. It's because they're looking for peace. That's why they become alcoholics. It's because they're looking for peace. That's why they become drug addicts. It's because they are looking for peace, trying to find some peace. And guess what? We have what they are looking for, and it's free. It doesn't cost anybody anything. That's why you and I, we need to walk in peace, be light, so that others see the kind of peace that we have, and they're attracted to it, and then we can tell them where that peace came from and how they can experience it themselves. Oh, somebody, come on, help me this morning. I need some help preaching today. And then here's a fourth thing that we need to know about the importance of peace, and that it is the purpose of our ministry and our influence. It's the purpose of our ministry and influence. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. Let me say that again. Blessed are the peacemakers. Who does he bless? Peacemakers. And really the word blessed there means happy. Happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of of God. Now listen, really, there's two kind of people in, in the world. Peacemakers and troublemakers. Peacemakers are sons of God, are children of God. Who do troublemakers belong to? I think we can figure that out for ourselves, can't we? But he says it's the peacemakers who are blessed. God has called you and I to be peacemakers. Listen to what he says here in Luke chapter 10, verse 3. He's saying to his disciples, he says, go your way. Behold, I'm going to send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals. And don't greet anybody along the road. And then listen to what he says. He says, whatever house you enter, the first thing that you say is peace to this house. That's your ministry. And that is my ministry. That everywhere we go, we take peace. You go back and look at the greetings in the New Testament, whether it was Jesus or whether it was the Apostle Paul, they would always greet with grace and peace. If you go to Israel today, they will greet you there by saying shalom, which is the word for peace. And can I tell you that when Jesus comes back, he's going to rule from Jerusalem. That's where he's going to rule his kingdom is from Jerusalem. Jeru means city of. Salem means peace. He's going to rule and he's going to reign from the city of peace. And he said, whatever house you enter, the first thing that you are to say over that house, bless that house. The peace that you have, here's what he's saying. The peace that you have, you can place that peace on that house and he said it this way he said and if a son of peace is there then your peace is going to rest if they receive that peace and the one who gives that peace then that peace is going to remain on their house but if not then it will return to you let, let, me, let me show you a story in Mark chapter 4 that I believe is going to be a revelation for somebody here today. You remember in Mark chapter 4, Jesus has told his disciples to get into a boat and to go with him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. 
And when they get in the boat, when they get about middle ways, out in the middle of that sea, they encounter a life-threatening storm. The Bible describes, describes it like this, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. If you could just get a picture of how rough those waters were, threatening to capsize that boat because of the storm. But then it says that Jesus was down in the stern asleep on a pillow. Don't tell me you can't have peace in the midst of a storm. Because you can. And he awoke, or the disciples awoke Jesus and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And look at this. And there was a great calm. And then Jesus looks at his disciples and says, Why are you so fearful? Because you see, he did not call us to live in fear, but in peace. And he says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And then it goes on to say that they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, let me ask you this question. Why was Jesus able to calm the storm and the disciples were not? I want to tell you why. When you look at that storm, when you, when you look at how those waves were crashing against the boat, when you look at what that storm appeared to them to be, that, that was a picture of what was going on in their hearts. They were full of fear. They were full of anxiety. They were full of worry. And so that storm was a picture of what was going on in their heart. But Jesus gets up and says, peace be still. And there was a great calm. And the great calm is a picture of what was going on in his heart. I guess what I'm trying to say to you is, you can't give something that you don't have. If you don't have peace, you cannot give peace. You will give only what you have. And the reason why Jesus was able to speak peace is because Jesus had peace in his heart. And listen, God has called us to be peacemakers. Amen? He's called us to be peacemakers, but we can't give peace if we don't have peace. That's why we need peace. That's the importance of peace. Because it has so much to do with what God has called us to do and the influence that he's called us to have. In this world, you've got to have peace if you want to give peace. Listen, some folks, and you know them, I know some like them too. There's such turmoil in their heart. There's such a storm raging in their heart that everywhere they go, there's a storm. Everywhere they go, there's trouble. Everywhere they go, there's turmoil. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a troublemaker. I want to be a peacemaker. I want everywhere I go. To be blessed with peace for people to experience peace so how do we do that how do we experience this gift of peace and Tanya if you'll come and just help me close out here how do we experience and how do we receive the gift of peace now listen to me because this first point is so important 
If you want to experience and receive the gift of peace, and listen, I'm not just talking to, 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 to folks who don't have a relationship with God today. I'm, I'm talking to believers today too who are living their life in worry and fear and anxiety. And that's not God's will for your life. God knows that you will not be physically healthy and emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy and relationally healthy. God, God knows you will not be healthy in any of those areas of your life. If you're living in turmoil, he, he knows that we need to live in an environment and an atmosphere of peace. So how do we receive this gift? Number one, it begins with submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now there may be somebody in this room here this morning that's met, never made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you've never put your faith and trust in what Jesus did at the cross. Listen, you will never find peace until you do that. Until you get the Prince of Peace because you've got to understand something about Jesus. He didn't just come bringing peace. He is peace. And you cannot experience peace apart from him. But I also want to say this morning to those who are believers, have you submitted every area of your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Because I can promise you, those areas of your life where you don't have peace, maybe it's in your finances, maybe it's in your marriage, those areas of your life where there is no peace, I, I can almost guarantee you those are the areas of your life that you have not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Isaiah tells us. This is a passage that's read much during the Christmas season. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And then he goes on and he says this. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying the more that you allow the government of God to increase in your life, the more peace you're going to have. Because you see, you've got, you've got the kingdom of God over here. Yet there's still a lot of unbelievers and believers that's trying to live their life over here. Still doing your own thing. Still thinking that you're wiser than God and smarter than God and have more knowledge than God. And you're wondering, well, why do I not have peace? Because peace is not over here. Peace is under here. It's under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you've got to learn to submit every area of your life. And the more that his kingdom increases in your life, the more that his government increases in your life, the more of your life that you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the more peace you're gonna have, I promise you. Here's the second thing that we've gotta do and that is we've gotta pray diligent, faith-filled prayers. This, this is how we keep our peace. Because how many of you know we can lose it? We can lose our peace real quick. And we keep it by praying diligent, faith-filled prayers. Because Paul said, be anxious for nothing but in everything, not for everything, but in every circumstance. No matter what's going on, even in the middle of a pandemic, in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. John chapter 11, 
You may have never seen this before, but in John chapter 11, before Jesus prays for Lazarus to be resurrected from the dead, before he speaks and says, Lazarus, come forth. Do you know what the first thing is he does? He says, Lord, I thank you that you've heard my prayer. He ain't even prayed yet. He even, he's not even spoken to Lazarus yet and said, Lazarus, come forth. It's a faith-filled prayer that says, God, I know you're my daddy and I'm your child and I know that you love me and I know that you care about me and that when I pray according to your will that you hear my prayer and you answer. And so God, I'm just going to go ahead right now and just thank you. Just thank you. Because I know that you're a God who hears. You're a daddy who hears and answers prayer. And that's when the peace of God comes in and guards your heart and your mind. Here's a, here's a third thing that we have to do. We have to maintain a Godward mindset because peace is a matter of focus. Lose your focus, you'll lose your peace. That's why Isaiah said in Isaiah 26 and 3, you will keep in perfect peace whose mind is what? Stayed on you. Not just on him when things are going bad but stays on him in good times and in bad times. We stay focused on the Lord. And he said, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Romans, Paul said it like this in Romans chapter eight. He said, for those who live according to the flesh do what? They set their minds on the things of the flesh and then they wonder why they don't have any peace and joy and hope because they've set their mind on the wrong things. They've set their mind on the things of the flesh. But he said, but those who live according to the Spirit, what do they do? They set their mind on the things of the Spirit. You say, well, why is that important? It's important because he says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So if your mind is on carnal things, death, but if your mind stays on spiritual things, life and peace, it's important your perspective. It's important what you're focused on. It's important what you're thinking about. And I do believe that that's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, that in these last days, it's important that you keep your focus, lift up your head, keep your eyes on him for your redemption draws nigh. And then fourthly, there's gotta be a daily reliance and a daily dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Daily, daily, daily reliance upon the Holy Spirit because he's the one who produces this fruit of peace in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And so we have to rely on him every day especially when you're in traffic and you're behind a heathen Philistine. You gotta rely on the Holy Spirit for peace. Amen, somebody come on, help me. Thank God for his mercy this morning. And then finally, let me tell you how you get peace and how you keep your peace. Praise and worship. I want you to stand with me all over this room right now. Listen to what Isaiah prophesied about the coming of Jesus. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and I love this, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The spirit of heaviness, the spirit of darkness. You do understand it as a spirit. It's a spirit of anxiety. It's a spirit of worry. It is a spirit of fear that does not come from God. But God said, instead of that, he said, here's what I want to give you instead. I want to give you a garment of praise to replace that spirit of heaviness in your life. That spirit of anxiety, that spirit of worry, that spirit of fear in your life. I want to give you a garment of praise. Why? What does praise do? Praise keeps you focused on God, on who God is and what God has done. And may I tell you that the reason why I call it a garment is because it's something that you and I have to put on every single day of our lives. Paul understood that and Paul wore a garment of praise. That's why he said rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. David, David wore that garment of praise. And that's why David would say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And then a couple of verses later, he said, I sought the Lord. He heard me. And what did he do? He delivered me from all my fears. Every day, let me tell you what I do. Every day I put on my garment of praise. And I begin to focus on who God is. And I begin to focus on what God has done. And you know what? All of a sudden, those things that were bringing fear into my life, those things that were bringing anxiety and worry and and terror into my heart, all of a sudden, as I began to praise God, He began to deliver me from all of my fears. So somebody needs to hear this this morning. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaven heaviness and God will deliver you out of all of your fears and God will give you the peace the peace that passes all understanding come on let's just give God a good praise right here hallelujah come on peace reigns let's let peace reign this morning hallelujah Let's declare that today. 
And the only way peace can reign is if Jesus reigns. Does he reign in your heart today? Is he the ruler of your life today? Come on. If he is, give him a good praise. Give him a good thanks today. That the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace sits upon the throne of your heart and gives you peace. No matter what's going on, you still have his peace. Amen. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.